Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and yes, this is a bonus episode. I could have put this in for a regular Monday episode or even a Saturday episode and turned it into a Q&A, but couldn't wait, couldn't wait to share this with you. If you follow me over on Instagram, you can find me there at Elizabeth Benton. You might have heard me say last week that I have a new hobby, a very, very exciting hobby, something that I am just like really into. And it's funny because I'm not, I'm not a hobby person. And Chris has been making fun of me pretty consistently because of my level of excitement over this, but it is real. And I think you're going to share it. I think you're going to share it. In fact, last week when I put up on Instagram, um, what what do you think my hobby is? The guesses were like wild. <laughs> they were wild. People guessed everything from like knitting. I'm not a knitting person to, gosh, what were some of the other guesses? Um like raising baby chicks. That is definitely not a hobby, something we've done before, but but certainly not not a hobby. Uh, somebody even said like rolling lint off of sweaters because I think when I posted the video, I had like lint on my shirt or something. Anyway, it's not any of those things. It's not scrapbooking, which was another guess. Uh, gosh, there were some really funny and just off the mark guesses, but they were pretty entertaining to read. Okay, if you haven't figured it out already, which you probably have, my new hobby that I want to tell you absolutely everything about, and I want you to be as excited about it as I am, but if you're not, I don't really care. That's on you, Uh, is growing sprouts. Now, the reason this is so cool, this isn't like an outdoor gardening activity because I really want to be a good gardener, but I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not even close. Like, the other day my mom brought over flowers on Easter, like outdoor flowers that you would like hang someplace. Within 24 hours, they were dead. I didn't even do anything to them and they were dead. And then the things that we try to keep alive, the plants and and pots and and trees that we've planted and bushes that we've planted, none of them have been successful. So the cool thing, oh, there's a lot of cool things if I'm being honest, but the coolest thing about sprouts is that they're insanely easy. You do it inside in a jar, no soil, only water and seeds, and they germinate or go from seed to edible in like days, three days, four days, max. They're super affordable, almost impossible to screw up, and super, super, super healthy. I really feel like everybody should be growing sprouts at home. Okay. If you were to go into the grocery store and happen to find sprouts, they're not always easy 
to find. But let's say you wanted to get organic sprouts. You'd probably be spending about 20 bucks or so if you wanted to make a meal out of them. If you wanted to garnish, you know, you, you could certainly get them for far less. No doubt about it. But it's expensive to buy sprouts in the grocery store. And not only that, they're not nearly as fresh. You know, you don't know when they were harvested and how long they were on a truck and how long they were in the grocery store before they made it to a shelf and how long they've been on the shelf. And all of those things degrades the nutrient profile of the sprout. Okay, I, I just feel like I could ramble and ramble and ramble, so I'm, I'm going to try my very best to create some structure here. I'm going to go through first a few reasons why I've decided to grow sprouts at home in my kitchen on a jar on my countertop. The first is that sprouts, and when I talk about sprouts, I want you to understand that you can sprout basically any seed. So I'm generalizing a little bit here in my reasons that I got started, but the reasons differ a little bit if we're talking about broccoli sprouts versus onion sprouts versus sprouts from lentils and things like that. So kind of just the overarching reasons is where I'm starting. The first reason is that they are insanely healthy, okay? One of the most studied sprouts, actually probably the most studied, is the broccoli sprout. And it has been studied primarily for its anti-cancer properties. If you've listened to the Primal Potential podcast for any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about the anti-cancer properties of cruciferous vegetables. Broccoli is part of the cruciferous vegetable family, as is cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts. Um, yeah, those, those kind of crunchier, smellier veggies, are. many of them are in the cruciferous vegetable family. Listen to episode 153 if you haven't already. I've always been very into the health benefits of cruciferous vegetables, I think in large part because I did a couple of research papers on them as an undergraduate uh, when I was studying nutrition. So you've heard me talk about this on the podcast, though it's been a while, but go back and listen to episode 153. So broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables contain these anti-cancer compounds, right? Uh, sulforaphanes, you've heard me talk about how sulforaphanes uh, actually are reduced when we cook vegetables. And, and you know, most of the time when we're talking about cruciferous vegetables, we're cooking them. You're not going to eat a ton of raw broccoli. Now, I do eat raw cabbage, but I don't eat raw cauliflower. I don't really like raw cauliflower. So when we cook our Brussels sprouts, when we cook our broccoli, when we cook our, our cabbage or our cauliflower, we are reducing the anti-cancer benefits. When we sprout these seeds, we increase dramatically the anti-cancer properties of these vegetables. We also break down and minimize the compounds that can aggravate the gut, which is a huge win. So if you are somebody, I hear this all the time, especially you know, if you follow me on Instagram and I post on my stories pretty regularly, like what I'm eating and what I'm doing, um, when people see that I eat cabbage raw or that I'll have like a big plate of cooked broccoli or something, people will say, doesn't that upset your stomach? 
For me, the answer is no, but it's probably just how long I've been eating it and I make sure to chew really well. But for some people, they're just sensitive to cruciferous vegetables. They make them gassy or they give them an upset stomach or they make them constipated or whatever it is. We kind of bypass that issue when we're talking about sprouts. So just looking at the sulforaphane, and again, that's one of the anti-cancer compounds in uh, cruciferous vegetables. Just looking at sulforaphane, raw broccoli has 10 times the amount of sulforaphanes compared to cooked broccoli. So when we cook our broccoli, say it another way, there's 10 times less of that anti-cancer component. But sprouted broccoli has five to 10 times the amount of sulforaphanes as raw broccoli. So sprouts have five by five or tenfold the most, then raw, then cooked. Beyond that, sulforaphanes aren't just anti-cancer, though that's reason enough for me. They're also really, really helpful with detox. And I go into this in previous episodes of the podcast, but especially hormone, uh, hormonal detox or hormone-related detox, what can happen for a lot of people, men and women, is that excess estrogens can build up in the body and become toxic. And sulforaphanes are part of the equation for detoxing the body, both overall and specific to estrogens. And we see a greater ability to do this in the sprouted form than in the the whole vegetable form. The other thing that we see is a decrease in blood sugar, which is a huge part of energy. It's a huge part of weight management. It's a huge part of longevity. So, so major. We see that we are increasing the nutrient profile when we sprout seeds compared to when we don't. And we're decreasing the presence of those compounds like phytates and lectins that can aggravate the gut. Now, that is like the highest level overview. We could talk for days about what makes sprouts healthy. I really recommend a book called The Sprout Book. It's by Doug Evans. I'll link it up in the show description. It's a very easy read. I read it in a couple of hours because you don't you don't necessarily need to like it's not the kind of book you need to memorize it's going to give you a really great sense of what kinds of different sprouts there are and how they differ from each other and instructions on how to get started i it's and it's recipes it's a great book all right so the first reason is because they're healthy the second is that they're the most affordable way to pack in nutrients period. Like there's a really great argument for how sprouting in your kitchen is the best way to make healthy food accessible to everybody and affordable to everybody because you don't need to grow a garden, right? You don't need to have land to grow a garden. It's okay if you're in a city. It's okay if you don't have time for a garden. It's okay if you don't have space for a garden. It's okay if for like for me, you don't have the skills yet for a garden. They are so affordable. This eliminates the argument of like, well, yeah, I'd love to buy organic from Whole Foods, but I can't afford that. And this is why 
a lot of folks trend towards processed foods because they tend to be less expensive, especially if you're feeding a whole family. Well, sprouts remove that. They are so, so, so affordable because you're buying seeds and a small amount of seeds multiplies exponentially in volume as it sprouts. So super, super affordable, a fraction of the cost of just about any vegetable you'll find at the grocery store. Third reason, this is a huge one for me, they grow in just days. I don't know about you, but it's tough to be patient when something takes months to grow. You know, kale, for example, you're probably not going to grow it in your kitchen. You need to have the space. But not only that, you need to have the right climate so you can only do it at a certain time of year unless you have a greenhouse. I don't have a greenhouse. I don't know about you. But even then, you're talking months from when you get started to when it's actually like, you know, two months minimum from when you get started to when it's on your kitchen table. When we're talking about sprouts, we're talking days, like three days, max, maybe five or six days. My very first attempt in sprouting, I started on a Saturday afternoon, and then I had them for lunch on Tuesday. I mean, uh, (laughs) I find it really easy to maintain something that pays off so fast. Another reason that I'm absolutely into sprouting, and I'm going to tell you how I do it and all of those details in just a minute, but it's so easy. I was talking to my mom about it the other day because she she came into the house and I had like four jars going on the counter, and uh, I wasn't I wasn't there when she walked through, but we were talking on the phone later. She's like, "What kind of soil do you use?" And I was like, "Mom, there's no soil. It is literally a jar." But you could do it on a tray. You don't, you don't have to have a jar. It's a glass. I use a glass jar. I'll tell you all the details about what I use. And water and seeds. That's it. There's no soil, which means there's no mess. You're not bringing dirt into the kitchen and trying to clean it up. It is so easy. As I said, all of my attempts so far in gardening have failed. But if you can measure seeds in a measuring cup, pour water in a jar and drain it, you can grow sprouts at home. It's super, super easy. The other reason that I'm very excited about it is because it's safe. Now, if you have heard that pregnant women shouldn't eat sprouts or, you know, one time there was a foodborne illness outbreak from sprouts at the restaurant Jimmy John's, like the sandwich restaurant Jimmy John's, you might feel like, oh, is it safe? Is it sanitary? But it is. And again, You can read a lot more about this if you go on the internet. Also, the Sprout book by Doug Evans goes into this at length. But in short, the reason that people say things like pregnant women shouldn't eat sprouts are because if you think about buying sprouts at the grocery store and they were, you know, grown in a standard agricultural operation where there's there's animals and vegetables – It's very easy for fresh produce to be cross-contaminated with like fecal matter from animals, right? Or things along those lines. And because you're eating them raw, you're not cooking off that bacteria. And so it makes it a slightly higher risk. That's why people always say like to wash your vegetables and things like that because it's very easy for anything 
to be contaminated with fecal matter. But when you're growing sprouts at home in your kitchen, unless you didn't wash your hands, and like, sorry to be disgusting, but that's that's just the way it is. Like, unless it's your own fecal matter and you didn't wash your hands, the risk of that is very, very low. So obviously, you want to practice good hygiene and you want to use clean equipment and all of that kind of stuff. But your your chances of that kind of contamination are very, very low. Even if we look at sprout recalls in grocery stores and restaurants, it is far lower than beef, chicken, fish, even dairy, just because they're, they're, they're safer, right? They are absolutely safer. And there are things you can do, like I just use water and seeds, but you can use different sanitizing agents. You can use all natural sanitizing agents. Like one option is grapefruit seed extract. It's a, it's a liquid. You can get it as a supplement in pill form, but what I'm talking about here is like a liquid form. You can get it on Amazon. I'll link it up so that you know exactly what I'm talking about. But two drops of that per quart of water on the initial soak only will if that gives you peace of mind. But for me, I make sure that my jars are clean. I make sure that my hands are clean. And I feel I feel better eating sprouts I grow in my kitchen than I do eating greens I buy at the grocery store, right? I mean, I could imagine most people would feel the same way. But we're talking about if we look at outbreaks, foodborne illness um, from sprouts, there was like 21 cases over like a six-year period of time. I mean, it's it's very, very, very rare. And again, when you are controlling the exposure in your home, you can guarantee that you are going to be pretty safe. If your sprouts smell weird, like if they smell fishy, if they look moldy, don't eat them, obviously. But if you if you do what you're supposed to do and you rinse them daily, we'll talk about it in detail, um, and you're not keeping them like in a really hot room, then you're, you're going to be fine. Obviously, if it freaks you out, don't do it. Okay, one of the other reasons, two more reasons that, that I decided to do this, I think it's fun, right? Growing your own food in your kitchen, regardless of the time of year and having it happen in like a few days, I think that's awesome. I think it's fun to watch them grow. I think it's cool to experiment with different kinds of sprouts because they have different flavors, like French lentils. They sprout and they're crunchy and nutty, like they're much hardier than, say, broccoli sprouts, which are more water-dense and um, more like kind of more in flavor like a leafy green vegetable. But it's just fun to experiment. It's fun to see it happen. And the last reason is I think it's a really amazing way to educate kids. Now, obviously, I'm currently pregnant. I don't have kids at home that I'm educating, but I can't imagine why anyone who has kids at home wouldn't want to do this because what a great way without the expense and the time of a garden to show your kids how food grows and to get them involved in the process of something that is really, really, really healthy. All right. What I want to do is break down the how. And as I mentioned, I do it in a glass jar. You can do it in a tray. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. I'm going to tell you how I do it, but if you want to like learn about the different options and the different ways, 
check out The Sprout Book by Doug Evans. I don't have any dog in that fight. I don't know Doug. He didn't pay me to talk about his book. I just found the book really helpful. All right. I bought my seeds on Amazon. It was important to me to buy organic, non-GMO seeds. And like I said, you can sprout just about any seed. So you could do sunflower seeds. You could do broccoli seeds. You could do onion seeds. I told you I also did French lentil seeds. You could do um, cauliflower seeds. So many, so many, so many options. I started with a few. I started with broccoli seeds. I started with French lentil seeds. And then I started with a seed blend. And I just wanted to like get a feel for flavor and differences. And I'm going to continue to experiment. So if you want to see what that process is like and see what I like and what I don't like, following me on Instagram is the best place to do that. You can find me there at Elizabeth Benton because that's where I share that kind of stuff. So I purchased seeds that were organic, non-GMO. I'll link those up. I'm also um, putting together a very detailed blog with pictures and I'll put that blog link in the show description because it will contain all the links to everything I purchased, as well as pictures of the process so you kind of know what it looks like and what to expect. All right, so you need seeds. You'll also, if you're going to go the glass jar route, you can use a mason jar that you already have. Chances are you don't need to buy anything for that. Like you could take a glass mason jar and cover it with cheesecloth, and then wrap a rubber band around the cheesecloth, you need a top that drains. So a mason jar with like the screw-on solid lid, not going to work. You need a top that has the ability to let water in and out because you rinse it every day without removing the top. I decided to get um, their sprouting lids for mason jars, and they're basically mesh tops instead of like the solid metal top that you see on mason jars. You don't have to do that though. Again, cheesecloth, rubber band would be totally fine. I'm going to show you uh, in that blog exactly what I bought, but you probably have what you need if you didn't want to spend money beyond seeds to do it at home. Now, there is a chart in the sprout book that tells you how much seeds in what size jar that sort of thing. So if you're working with a quart size jar, which is what I'm doing, you know, like for the broccoli seeds, it was a quarter cup of seeds in the quart size jar. Um, I will put that information in the blog, but the amount of seeds and the, and the size of the jar depends on what you're working with. So like French lentil seeds are a lot bigger than broccoli seeds. Broccoli seeds are like the size of a poppy seed, whereas French lentil seeds are like, hmm maybe a quarter of the size of a chickpea. Big, big, big difference, right? Okay, so let's use the broccoli seeds as an example. I take the quarter cup of broccoli seeds and I put it in the empty jar, making sure that the empty jar is, of course, cleaned and sanitized. Then I fill up water, usually about three times the amount of water as the amount of seeds, and I let them soak for eight hours. The initial soak time might be different with different seeds. It just so happens that the three that I started with all had an initial eight-hour soak time. Don't start it at like four in the afternoon and then have to get up in the middle of the night to, to drain them after the initial soak. It does matter that you're 
that you're precise with this timing. So like I started mine in the morning so that later in the you know early evening, I was able to drain them. But just pay attention to that. If they have to soak for eight hours, don't be like, oh, it's fine. I'll do it in the morning. And then they've soaked for like 12 or 13 hours. Don't do that. Pay attention. Okay. So you have the initial soak. After that time is up, and there's a really helpful chart that goes through by seed type in the sprout book, you, you drain the water, all right? You just turn it upside down, get the water out, and you want to make sure that you drain them fully. So there, I was glad that I read this part in the book because what you don't want to do is like, oh yeah, like the water stopped pouring and then you're done, and really there's still a fair amount of water in there that you just had to be a little bit more patient with. So you want to make sure that you're getting as much of the water out as possible. Don't shake vigorously though, like it's not a tambourine, it's not a maraca. You want to treat the seeds gently because the the auth Doug Evans explains it as like a baby in the NICU, right? These are like very, very, they're at the very beginning of life and you just want to treat them gently. So I try to be very patient, like I'll I'll get all what seems to be all the water out and then I'll turn it upside down, hold it at an angle and sure enough, it's still trickling or there's little drops here and there and I'm just patient with it while it's, while it's draining. Um, all right. So then what you're going to do is you're going to turn the jar upside down and set it at an angle, kind of like a 45 degree angle. I bought, when I got my mason jars with the mesh lids, I got the ones that came with like a little tray for any additional water that drips out and this little rack that allows them to sit at an angle. I'll put that link in the blog so you see exactly what I bought. I think it was like 20, 20-ish bucks and it came with two quart-sized jars and the little tray and the little rack. But you don't have to purchase that. You could put them upside down in a bowl, right? And, the, and leaning against the edge of the bowl would be about that 45-degree angle. So you could totally do that. And then Twice a day, you're going to rinse your seeds with cold or room temperature water, not hot water. You're going to rinse them and drain them thoroughly twice a day, always setting them to that resting upside down, slightly angled position. That's it. That's all you do until they're ready is rinse them twice a day. Couple of little notes, though, that you're going to want to know if you choose not to read the book. Don't store them in direct sunlight. Don't, they, they want darker rather than lighter places, but don't put them like in a cabinet under the sink because they need to breathe. They need airflow. So mine are on my kitchen counter. They're not in a dark space. They're just not in the direct light from my French doors or from my windows. All right. That's all it is. You just rinse them with no more than room temperature water. I tend to use cooler rather than room temp, but it doesn't have to be like cold water. You just rinse them. Make sure they drain really well. Don't, don't rush that process. Set them back upside down. You rinse them twice a day. I do it first thing when I wake up, and I do it when I'm cleaning up from dinner until they're ready to go. Different seeds are going to take different amounts of time to germinate. Um, my French lentil sprouts, I ate on day three. My broccoli sprouts and my um, mixed sprouts, I ate on day four. And not just day three and day four. Like they were done. I put them in the fridge in a closed container as opposed to the mesh top container uh, on day three for the lentils, on day four for the broccoli sprouts and the mixed sprouts. 
And there's a lot of details in like, if you want to store them and not eat them right away, how do you do that? How long are they good for? All of that is outlined in great detail in the Sprout book. All right. So then what do you do with them, right? <laughs> if you're like, oh my God, that sounds really cool, but how do you eat them? So I've been using them instead of as like a salad garnish as part of the salad base. So I'll have my mixed greens and I'll probably do about half mixed greens, half sprouts, but you could do all sprouts as the base of your salad. Remember, different sprouts have different flavor profiles. The French lentil sprouts were much crunchier, heartier, nuttier. The broccoli sprouts were more like a leafy green kind of thing. Um, I've also been putting them in my smoothies, which I think is really awesome. There are a bunch of recipes. I mean, you could probably Google sprout recipes and find a ton of options online. The sprout book has a bunch of recipes that I have yet to try, but um, things like soups and even different desserts, like there's just so, so many options. Sprouted hummus, of course, wraps and sandwiches, that sort of stuff. Um, but if you want to see some of the pictures, head over to the blog. That's also pictures of, of my sprouting process and setup. But also, uh, that's where I'll put the links to all the things that I talked about. I think this is a no-brainer. Like, I would love to see more and more people doing this because it's a great way to encourage yourself to eat healthier. It's a very affordable way to eat healthier. It's a great way to get the freshest possible nutrients and vegetables. They're really, really good for you. And I think the process is super fun, right? So you're saving money. You're getting food that is more nutrient dense. And you're, you know, you're learning and you're engaged in the process along the way. So I'm going to put the link to that blog with the pictures, with all the resources, everything that I purchased to get started, all of that will be in the blog. And if you have questions, DM me on Instagram and let me know. And I'm happy to share what I know from the research that I've done, from the couple of books that I've read on it, or just from my own experience in getting started with this. And Instagram is where I'll continue to to share pictures of the process and all of that. But if you get started, tell me, post pictures, tag me. I'd love to hear about your process, what you like, what you don't like, what questions you have. But yeah, I'm excited and I just couldn't wait to tell you. So that is my new hobby, sprouting seeds in my own kitchen. I'm really pumped about it. It definitely encourages me to get creative in the kitchen and it makes you wanna, it makes you wanna eat healthier. So hope this was helpful. Again, let me know if you have questions, and I'll talk to you very soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn. Our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.